Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, and welcome to Hope for Today. My name is Naja E. Brown, your host, and we thank you for your support and participation. Hope for Today is an outreach program of Yield to the King Ministry, and our hope and prayer for our listening audience is that you hear something that is encouraging, life-altering, or prompting you to study the Word of God. We welcome your comments anytime, and you can reach us through our website at yieldtothekingministry.com ministry.org. Well, welcome to today's episode entitled Christian Disciplines. Help to get us out of the weeds. And as always, I like to read the promotional material, which is pretty straightforward and will lay a foundation for us today. Discipline for the Christian is a must. And there's an exclamation mark after that statement. Think of it this way. We need spiritual disciplines for the Christian life. I didn't think of this phrase. It's actually the title of a book in my library. And the authors are Donald S. Whitney. And the foreword is by J.I. Packer, two writers with whom we are very familiar. The word discipline can carry a negative connotation and brings to mind punishment. While growing up, I was disciplined by my parents. Even today, I am still being disciplined by my Heavenly Father to whom I belong. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11, and this is the New International Version, says, No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Discipline also means teach, coach, and drill. Those words shed light on what we must consider doing to grow in godliness. Christian disciplines help to get us out of the weeds. I worked in human resources in the healthcare industry before I retired. Somewhere during my career, I landed a new position. I joined a new team in the labor relations department. We had team meetings every Friday morning from about 8 to 11.30, and it was an opportunity for all of us to get together and map out and plan some of the work and initiatives we needed to execute. At any given time, there were probably at least 10 members on our team, and we covered a vast geographical area within the greater metropolitan Seattle, Washington area, and that's in the Pacific Northwest in the United States, tucked up in the corner right under British Columbia, uh, Canada, and uh, up above Columbia is Alaska. I was the one who covered the furthest area, so I was out of the corporate office more than the rest of my team members, so I really looked forward to our meetings. Being new to the organization and the team, the meetings gave me the opportunity to learn the culture of the organization, dynamics of the team, and the overall expectations of our team in relation to the greater HR department. In one particular meeting, we learned that the organization would be laying off employees. That's awful work. You have to, uh, it's just tough work to do. You're impacting people's lives. 
But anyway, this was a healthcare organization whose membership was declining, so we needed to cut costs, resulting in our work being given, uh, uh, resulting in, uh, in our team being given the daunting task to come up with a roadmap for carrying out the employee layoffs. We gathered to talk about how we would divide up the work and which service lines were being affected and what team members would partner with whom and with the union and the other entities within the HR department. So during this meeting, I remember raising my hand to ask a question. I can't tell you exactly what the question was, but the manager acknowledged me and I asked a question and she told me, you're in the weeds. I was puzzled at her response and I repeated it to myself. I'm in the weeds? Being somewhat new to the team, I thought it was an intelligent question, so I just didn't get it. It wasn't until later on that I realized that particular phrase referred to the difference between transactional work and being strategic or visionary. Once I learned the difference, I started actually using that phrase when I was counseling the managers and the executive leadership that fell under my geographical area. Now, you might ask, what does that have to do with today's episode? It has everything to do with that episode, today's episode, and it's a good question. So here it is. How many of us are in the weeds constantly living on the ground level? We're transacting our spiritual walk by just walking with boots on the ground, never stopping to allow ourselves to see beyond the task. When will we get tired of repeating the task? When will we tire of making the same mistakes over and over again because we have not learned the lesson? How about this task, something that we all can relate to? We just go through the motion of attending worship service on Sundays, or maybe some people may attend on a Sunday, a Saturday evening. We are living in the weeds when we don't study the Bible, pray regularly, fast, talk to others about Christ, allow God to use us in his service, quiet time with Jesus, and we live without learning. You see, we should live among the weeds, not in the weeds. God wants to transform our minds through teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training us. And in order to grow, we must practice Christian discipline, position ourselves to be trained taught, coached, and drilled. Let's become strategic and visionary about our spiritual growth by becoming more intentional and deliberate. And you're going to hear me use those two words uh, quite often throughout this episode. But together, today, we can talk about mapping out our spiritual growth and take charge. It is then that we will be victorious and live among the weeds and not in the weeds. It's time for us all to start producing a harvest for the kingdom of God. I forgot to tell you a little bit earlier that this is going to be probably an episode that will last a little bit longer than 15 minutes. And I felt there was so much that I was going to try to say in 15 minutes that I actually reserved about a half hour. So we'll see how long it lasts. But let me start out with a couple of scriptures that we can relate to. The first scripture is found in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, and this is the New American Standard Bible. And it reads, but have nothing to do with worldly fables fit only for old women. On the other hand, discipline yourself 
for the purpose of godliness. And then in Proverbs 24, verse 33, and this is the New International Version, the NIV, it says, thorns had come up everywhere. The ground was covered with weeds and the stone wall was in ruins. So we can look at ourselves, our temple, our tent, our bodies as a wall. Is it flourishing? Are we producing a harvest or is it in ruins? Is the grounds around our temple and our our wall or our uh, tent, is it covered with weeds or is it nicely manicured? So let's move on. There are two parables that are worth mentioning that will shed some light on where our focus should be. And this one is found uh, in Matthew 13. We're going to look at verses 1 through 23. And this is the parable of the sower. And this is the New International Version, the NIV. I'm going to look at verses, uh, chapter 13, verses 1 through 23. And I might do some skipping around, but we'll see. All right. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Verse 3 says, then he told told them many things in parables, saying, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. Verse 6 says, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. And then verse 8 says, still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Now, I'm going to skip down to uh, verse 18. We're going to stay in Matthew chapter 13. And it says, verse 18 says, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand, the evil one comes and snatches away that what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Verse 22 says the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of the wealth choke the word making it unfruitful. And verse 23 says, but the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Now the other parable is right after uh, the one that we just read, and it's found in Matthew chapter 13. We're going to look at verses 24 through 30. And it's also the New International Version, the NIV. So Matthew chapter 13, verse 24 says, Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, the enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servant came to him and said, Sir, 
Didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? Verse 28 says, an enemy did this, he replied. The servants, do you want us to go and pull them up? Verse 29 says, no, he answered, because while you were pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. And then verse 30 says, let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. You see, the weeds are always going to be in our midst, but we must not become short-sighted by focusing on them or allowing them to overcome our environment. Instead, we should focus on growing in godliness through our relationship with Jesus Christ by becoming strategic and visionary about our spiritual growth. We must be intentional and deliberate. Now, there's those two words again. If we focus on growing in our relationship with Christ, then we will gain an eternal perspective on life and sow seeds that will produce a harvest by bearing fruit for the kingdom of God. Okay, here are 10 Christian and or spiritual disciplines that promote spiritual growth. growth excuse me, They can be looked at as personal or corporate of us. The first one being Bible intake. We must study our Bibles. There is no healthy Christian life apart from a diet of the milk and meat of the scripture. And as we grow and mature, we're going to move away from the milk and we're just going to be on uh, uh, feasting on the meat of the scripture. Train your eyes. I'm talking to myself too, to read and your ears to hear God's word regularly, not accidentally or when we feel like it. Bible intake will develop an appetite for the righteousness of God. Memorize the word of God and guard it in your hearts. The next discipline is prayer. Devote yourself to prayer. Listen and talk to Jesus regularly. Jesus expects to hear from us. We can pray with words or silently. Just develop the habit of spending time in prayer on behalf of yourself and others. The next discipline is worship. Focus on and respond to God. This is our opportunity to magnify God and ascribe to him the proper worth, to praise him for his worthiness. He is the holy and almighty God, the great, the creator and sustainer of the universe, the sovereign judge to whom we must give an account. We must worship him in spirit and in truth. The next one is evangelism. We get to present Christ, death, burial, and resurrection, and he's ascended into heaven and seated at the right hand of God the Father in the power of the Holy Spirit to nonbelievers. Jesus commanded us to witness by making disciples and baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. There is a message worth conveying that is repent and the forgiveness of our sins. The next one is serving. We are gifted to serve. We can be active and enthusiastic, not idle, in our commitment to Christ and love toward others. 
we will serve in different ways, many different ways, because we're not all the same. We're not all wired the same. We're not all gifted the same. But the key is let God use us how he sees fit. The next discipline is stewardship. Now, we must use our time, talents, resources, spiritual gifts, and finances wisely. Let's be good stewards of what God has given us in preparation for eternity, not just the here and now. It all belongs to God anyway, right? He owns everything. The next discipline is fasting. We get to voluntarily abstain from food for spiritual purposes. And I say voluntarily because there are countries and people who are suffering from famine, and that's not voluntary on their part. But we get to choose to abstain from food for spiritual purposes. Or sometimes we can fast and abstain from or curtail certain kinds of involvement with other people. Forms of social media might be on a list. Uh, the telephone, television, and any other daily living activity you can think of. The whole purpose of fasting is to focus on God and to deny self for a season. Another uh, spiritual discipline is silence and solitude. Now, we get to sit at the feet of Jesus without background noise and distraction. So let's draw to privacy for spiritual purposes so we can better discern the voice of God, and hear from him. So often his voice is drowned out because of the distractions we entertain. The next discipline is journaling, an opportunity to jot down our thoughts, our insights into scripture, and write notes to ourselves. What are the spiritual disciplines that you and I want to work on and grow in? We can chart our own progress in our journal. And our journal is just for us. It's not for everybody to read. It's just for us. And the last one, and this is not an exhaustive list, is learning. Let's move forward with a heart for God and a transformed mind. I'm not talking about intelligence or brilliance, but rather a mind to where every thought is captive to Jesus Christ and the strongholds are being cast down. Over time, our desires and appetites should change as we become more and more like Christ. Are we applying what we learn? Do we possess a desire to learn more and more about our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ? Those are just some questions for us to think about and to ponder. But we can start practicing our Christian disciplines by setting a goal to work on one or two a month. Let's come up with a strategy or roadmap over the next three, six, nine, or 12 months from today. Remember, our mission is to get out of the weeds so we can start producing a harvest for the kingdom of God. What vision comes to mind for you when you're growing in godliness? For me, according to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11, I'm going back to the scripture I read in the beginning. I am producing a harvest of righteousness and peace. And according to Proverbs chapter 24, verse 31, my grounds are not covered by weeds and my house, my tent, my wall is not in ruins. That's my vision as I grow in godliness. So in closing, here is our opportunity to start with self. Our opportunity to start with self. Will you join me? And the practice of Christian disciplines? 
So together, let's take the next step by starting now, today. And with that, I want to say may God bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you and give you peace. We'll talk again in a couple of weeks. God bless you.